a difference. So I had some friends pass you one of these. These are the list of the groups that are going to be available for you to sign up for at the end of the worship experience today. Parents, I want to let you know, we're going to dismiss you early, but like you don't have to go get your kids early, okay? So some of y'all need to just like sit in the lobby and breathe. It's cool. It's cool. You can leave them back there. Our, our, our uh, Propel Kids workers are ready to keep your kids for a little while longer this morning if necessary. So don't rush. Feel the freedom to find a group and, and get Connected. I want to talk to you today. Uh, I wrote this message called Bigger Than Sunday. And, and I wrote it because I, I think that Sundays are really important, right? Like, I love what we do here on Sunday mornings. But if you only do Sunday mornings, I think you're going to miss out on a crucial component for what God has for your life. And so, um, I don't know, any, anybody in here, like, you love puzzles? Anybody love puzzles? A couple of you. My wife loves puzzles. I hate them, right? Like, you, you get over, like, I can handle a four-piece puzzle. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's my speed. But my wife loves to do puzzles, and if you're ever looking for a great gift for somebody, uh, eBay sells 500-piece uh, single-color puzzles. That's how you let somebody know you love them. And so, but here's how I let my wife know I love them. Her, periodically what I would do, she'd be putting a puzzle together. She's got this big table and uh, where she puts puzzles together. And I would just go steal a couple pieces. Now, right. Now, if you know me, you know I tend to lose stuff. So, um, <laughs> no, nah, but I never, I ain't lost a puzzle piece yet. I don't, I don't think. And if I have, she'll tell me at lunch. So, so I love to take some pieces of her puzzle, hide it from her. It's, it's awesome. Um, if you only do Sundays... It's going to be like putting the pieces of a puzzle together and coming up with a few missing pieces. Because it's bigger than Sunday. Like, like, truthfully, if what happens on Sunday doesn't transform your Monday, then Sunday really didn't matter. And, like, God wants to be your everyday God. He doesn't just want to be your Sunday God. Because here's what we do a lot of times, right? We live in the South. This is the Bible Belt. So we come to church on Sunday, and we check that little box off, and we're like, God, I'm good. See you next week. Same time. Won't show up till 15 minutes into the service. That's an hour long. But you know what? See you next week. You know, right? Like, that's how we do it sometimes. We just check off the box and we move forward. God wants to be more than just a Sunday God. And as I was reading through the Bible and kind of looking at some of the things uh, to support that, I came across Acts 2020, which I loved so much. Luke writes Acts, but Paul writes of some of it, and Paul is giving this account, and it says this in Acts 2020, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. So Paul's like, guys, all that stuff I've been teaching you, it's helpful. You might not think it's helpful. Just know, just tuck it away for later. Put your sermon notes from Sunday in your pocket. It's going to be beneficial at some point. It really does matter. It's Helpful. So I haven't hesitated to preach anything to you that would be helpful, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I think sometimes we just skip over the little details of Scripture. What Paul's doing is Paul's defending himself, defending his decisions, and he's saying, hey, there are two types of environments that you have, and I've taught you helpful things in both of them. What we do a lot of times is we place an or where God has placed an and. So we go, oh, I can do the public thing or I can do the house-to-house thing. I'll just pick one. 
Or, or, or sometimes here's what we do. We do that. We go even further. Um, we'll do evangelism or we'll do discipleship. Like we'll be really passionate about lost people or we'll be really passionate about found people. No, no, no. It's an and thing. We can't place an or where God has placed an and. It says he taught publicly and from house to house. There's two environments and they both matter. Public gatherings matter. House communities matter. Turn to somebody and say both. Turn to that person who looks like they need Jesus and say, you need both. Some of y'all hesitated. You need both. This is a public thing and it's a house-to-house thing. Sometimes we settle for one or the other, but I would propose to you this morning that if you only settle for one, you'll be missing a piece of the puzzle. And truthfully, here's what breaks my heart. There are some churches and some organizations that believe just one or the other is necessary. God put an and in his word for a reason. So hear me say this. If you only come to Propel Church on Sunday mornings, about a year from now, you'll be looking for another church because you'll feel like something's missing, and it's because it is. Like, like, it would be hard for me as your pastor to stand up here and go, hey, just come on Sundays. It'll be great. It, it won't be. Yeah. You'll be missing a piece. Because I'll have an off weekend, and you'll go, well, pff, pastor was terrible today. He didn't feed me. Like, that's my job. Anyways... I'm feeling a little sassy this morning. You ready, church? (laughs) Public gatherings have an incredibly big purpose. Public gatherings are important for a couple of reasons. The the biggest one is it's so huge to come into an environment where a lot of people are worshiping and gathering together. Like there's this collective community of broken people who have issues and things wrong with them that are simply saying, hey, I know I have problems, I know I have faults, I know I have failures, but I'm going to praise Jesus above everything else. That's incredibly powerful. Public gatherings are necessary. And even for those of you who are watching online right now, like I would tell you that, that church online is a supplement, not a substitute. That like staying at home and watching church online from the convenience of your PJs is cool sometimes. But if that's all you do, you'll be missing the beauty of what public gatherings are. If I gave you the opportunity to watch the Panthers game from your home or to go sit front row at a Panthers game, I can tell you which one you'd pick. Because when we think about it in, in, in the secular context, it's easy to understand that environments change things. And when you come into a place and the atmosphere is shifted by the praises of God's people, things change. Gatherings uh, publicly are incredibly important. And for us here at Propel Church, they exist to serve one purpose, and that's for you to know God. Like, I'm not trying to get you to learn the 15 steps to become a great small group leader on Sunday mornings. I'm not trying to, to help you build your business, although I think that stuff does happen. My end game is that you would know God. So every week we open up scripture and we tell you about the beauty of God and the grace of God, the goodness of God that that is for you and I who are lost in hopes that you would know God because scripture says when you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else is added. So like we can do this other house to house thing and we'll talk about the importance of it. But if you don't know God, it doesn't matter. Like, like this is the foundational step for everything, that you would know 
God. But house-to-house gatherings matter as well. They serve a different role. There's a smaller purpose. And some of the biggest reasons why you need a smaller group of people is because when you get into public gatherings, it's really easy to fade into the background. Like for some of you this morning, you got in the car and you piled all 17 of your kids in. And by the time you got all of them and their friends into your minivan that seats six, um, you got them to church. You argued with them the whole way here. Before you got them out of the car, you had a pep talk with them on how they better behave or you're not feeding them or something like that. And then you walk into church today. And you sit down and you come in in about the, the second to third song and you sit down and about halfway through the message you actually tune in because you've been so worried and overwhelmed with what's happening later on today or tomorrow. And then the message is over. We worship a little bit longer together. And then you leave. You go get your kid. You walk to your car. You get in your car and you leave. And the only interaction you've had with people is the two to three hellos you got on your way in. And that's not how God designed you to live. God designed you and I to live in community, to live in connection with other people. And smaller groups of people provide just that, a place where you can connect with others. Like the way that the church grows larger and smaller at the same time is by you getting connected in a smaller group of people because you need those people. And so I told you that the purpose of public gatherings for us is that you would know God. The purpose of smaller groups of people is that you would find freedom. And a lot of times when we talk about finding freedom, we think about drug addicts. We think about people who have an alcohol addiction or some sort of addiction. And I want you to hear me say that, yes, we believe that Jesus sets people free from all of that stuff. He set me free from a drug addiction, and I believe if you're stuck today... He can do the same for you, but it would have never happened had I not gotten into a smaller group of people who pushed me and spurred me on. So yeah, you can find freedom, but this is not just about drug addictions. Let me, let me pull the room for a second. How many of you would say you got issues? Okay. Some of y'all are like, I got both, I got a lot, (laughs) both hands in the air. I got lots of issues. If you didn't raise your hand, your issues lying, right? So uh, we've all got issues. Finding freedom is identifying the fact that there are some things that are currently taking place in your life that are keeping you from experiencing all that God has for you. And if you had some people in your life who could spur you on, who could push you, who could challenge you, who could encourage you and support you, people who you could be real with, or you didn't have to fake it, where you could be honest, if you had that smaller group of people that were the right kind of friends that were spurring you on in this, then you'd be able to step over any hurdle that the enemy throws your way. That's the beauty of a small group of people. So I believe that you and I need it. Like, it's not optional, it's necessary. And so I'm going to give you two reasons why you need it today. And the first one is that you need people to carry your burdens. You need people to bear your burdens. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says this, Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. So I got some friends who are going to illustrate this with me. This is Jean, her son, and Matt. And as we look at this today, bear one another's burdens. Here's what I want you to know. Life sometimes gets weighted. But, like, let's be honest. If someone, I know sometimes what happens is people lie to you. 
And people say, oh, you start following Jesus, it's going to be easy. They lied. It's not. They lied to you. I'm sorry that they lied to you, but they lied to you. So what happens is you, you've got weights that tend to go on in your life, and, and this is a family issue, and, and this is, you already got a 45-pound bar that you're holding. Thankfully, her son is muscular. So <laughs> you got a family weight, your family's weighing you down, and you're kind of stressed out at work because you don't really know your purpose. And if, if I were to ask you if you had fulfillment in life and could wake up every day and say, I was made for this, you'd be like, no. So you've got that weight, and, and then you've got the weight of financial pressure, and you've got the weight of friends, and all of this weight is starting to weigh you down, and you're continuously carrying it over and over and over again. Can we put Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 up again? So Paul's encouraging the church. He's writing them a letter. And as he's writing to them, he's talking about really what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, to be in this thing called the local church. And he says, look, if there's anything you get, verse 2 of chapter 6, I want you to do this one thing. Bear one another's burdens. And so what Jean and Matt are going to do now is carry. Her son can't get up on his own. His feet ain't even touching the ground. <laughs> but as Jean and Matt lift the weight... Her son is able to stand. And I think what happens sometimes in your life and my life is we get stuck seated knowing God has called us to stand, but we wear the weight as a badge of honor. Life's just busy. It's really hard right now. If you're a Christian, you say it like this. It's just a season. <laughs> you just thought of five people that you could rag on later. It's weighted. You're going to carry weights. Stop, stop wearing your weight as a badge of honor and allow people to carry the weight with you. But this is twofold. So you've got her son who is allowing people to carry the weight. But if her son and Jean traded places, the same would be true. Because I believe every follower of Jesus needs to allow people to carry the weight with them, to carry the weight for them. Because it says, bear one another's burdens. And if you wanted to know what it looks like, what's the law of Christ? Well, Jesus said it. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. What does it look like to love other people? To carry their burdens. Every follower of Jesus needs to allow people the opportunity to carry the weight with them, but you also need to carry other people's weight. Because we can't ever forget that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what happens in this moment is her son is able, her son, you guys, take steps forward. You can walk. It's like a cakewalk. Let go. Pick it back up. Don't kill the man. Some of you are consistently being crushed by the weight you carry because you won't let other people carry it with you. Allow people the opportunity to bear your burdens. And in doing so, you let them fulfill the law of Christ and you walk into biblical community. You need people to carry the weight for you. And I want to further illustrate this. You guys can sit that one down. Um, Exodus chapter 17, there's a passage of Scripture because you need people to carry your burdens. Like that, that's a non-negotiable. You need people to carry your burdens. However, you also need the right people to carry your burdens. 
So who you have carry your burdens really does matter. Exodus chapter 17 comes around. We find a guy named Moses. Moses is holding up a staff. He's holding the staff of God above his head. And as Moses holds the staff up, the people are winning the battle. Joshua has an army of people. And every time Moses' hands are up, they're winning. Every time they go down, they start losing. So you know what they told Moses? Homie, you suck it up. <laughs> we got we to gotta win this thing. So they say, Moses, your hands have to stay up because every time they're up, you win. Every time they're down, we lose. That's not what we want to do. We don't want to lose. We want to win. So you got to keep your arms up. Exodus chapter 17, verse 11 says this. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and they put it under him. So they gave him a seat. You can go ahead and sit down. And then it says, then Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. That's a long time. There would have been no way that Moses could have continued to hold the weight of what he was carrying had it not been for the men who were called to carry the weight with him. And I believe that God has strategically placed people in your life to carry the weight with you. Because every time your hands go down, you lose. And when you lose, the enemy wins. And there are some things that God wants to do, some victories that God wants to bring in your life, but they're contingent on your hands remaining raised. And if you would just allow people the opportunity to bear your burdens, to carry the weight with you, you'd see more victory than you ever thought was possible. Because when you let people carry the weight, you're able to do more than you ever thought you could. I think some, somebody, somebody here needs to be reminded that spiritual battles still cause physical tiredness. You may be fighting a battle in the spiritual, but it may cause physical exhaustion. And some of you are tired. Are you letting people hold the weight? Are you letting people bear your burdens? Because it matters. If her son was to hold that on his own, it'd already be down. But there's men who are carrying the weight with him. And here's why you need the right people. So you need people to carry your burdens, but you also need the right people to carry your burdens. Because if they're close enough to hold your elbow, they're close enough to whisper into your ear. And the people you have speaking into your life when you're ready to quit really makes all the difference in the world. You can go ahead and put it down. Can we just thank these guys real quick? You need the right people carrying your burdens because who speaks into your life when you're ready to quit matters the most. Because who speaks into you dictates the course and the direction of your life. And so I'll give you an example of what a wrong friend looks like. You've got a problem with your boss, so you go to your friend and you, you vent most people use venting as an excuse to sin, but we'll just, for the sake of the story, say venting. You're venting to your friend about your boss. He did this to me. He did that to me. I can't believe he did this. I hate him. Bad friend does this. Hey, you deserve to be angry. Hey, what they did to you, man, I, I pray that the Lord of a thousand flies makes their abode in his armpit. You know, like... 
I hope, I hope he loses his job. That's a bad friend. You know what a good friend does? Hey, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I, I can't help that. Uh, here's what I do know. You can't control what happens to you, but you do get to dictate how you respond to it. And your attitude matters more than ever in this moment. Bad friend looks like this. If you come to somebody and you start gossiping, you start telling everybody all the problems you have with somebody, they go, yeah, I hate her too. I don't know why her husband stays with her. You know, I saw her the other day. She was at 73 in Maine, and she had a glass of wine, probably number four for her. It's a bad friend. Bad friend goes, yeah, you're right. She's terrible. Good friend goes, hey, have you talked to her about that issue you have with her? Because you know if you talk about her without her, it's gossip. And I know you probably don't want to. You don't want to fall into sin. So I want to help you. Like, if you need somebody with you, I'll go talk with her with you. But you need to go talk to her. Because if you haven't talked with her, you don't need to talk to me about it. That's what good friends look like. You need the right voices in your life. Because it really does matter who speaks into it. And I believe that Propel Groups provide an opportunity for you to find some of those right voices in your life for you to find friends inside of the local church who don't just agree with whatever you're going to throw at them, but really fall back on the truth of God's word and the truth of God's goodness to say, hey, you were made for more than what you're currently going through right now. You need those kind of people in your life. And so the way today is designed is I'm actually going to wrap up in just a couple of minutes and give you the opportunity to exit. And when you exit, you have the ability to sign up for one of these uh, nine groups that are available. And so let me go through these groups with you to kind of walk you through what that looks like. And each one of these, there's six different categories. You'll notice that they're color-coordinated. In our lobby, uh, there are colored tablecloths that coordinate which e- with each one of these colors. So if you're looking for one of the groups that's in the hangout section, you'd simply exit the auditorium and find the red set of tablecloths. If you're looking for the outreach group, you'll find the green one, studies, gray, and, and so on. But I would encourage you to connect with a group. The summer semester of groups that we do here at Propel Church are six to eight weeks long. So um, you're going to get into a group. At most, you're going to spend six to eight times with somebody. So like say you get in a group with the weirdest group of people in the world, hypothetically. You only have to do it six times. (laughs) We design semesters like this so that you have an easy entrance and an easy exit in case you get in over your head. So I would encourage you, give it a shot. Because what we do is bigger than Sundays. I believe it really does matter that you get connected. So for hangouts, there's a couple, there's a, a volleyball group that's going to meet at Franklis Park hosted by Matt and Tori. And I think that would be incredible. There's disc golf that travels to different courses. There's coffee with family hosted by Will. And uh, there's fitness with her son. You, you guys saw her son can lift and at least hold weight, so there's that. So you know fitness is right up his alley. For women, we, we have a mom's night in, so moms, who, I know some of y'all are just begging for an opportunity to get away from your kids. Allie and Emily would love to host you for a couple hours and uh, give you the opportunity to hang out. There's an outreach group with Kathy. That they're, they're packing lunches and going to feed homeless people. 
in the area. And I think that's such an incredible opportunity. Men, there's Maximizing Manhood with Will and Davey, which is a, a book study, probably one of the best books I've ever read on biblical manhood. I'm hosting a study at my house in Richfield. We're going to walk through the book of Galatians and then students. Uh, there's an opportunity with Matt and Noah for 6th through 12th graders um, from 6.30 to 8. It's going to be hosted at the new gymnasium uh, in, the new, in the future home of Propel Church. So there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of groups that you can get involved in. My encouragement for you would be take a risk. Take a shot. Worst case scenario, you spend six to eight weeks with weird people. <laughs> Best case scenario, you find people to carry the weight and the burdens of your life and you stop doing life alone. You experience all that God has for you and you uncover the peace, the peace you've been missing all along. Let's pray. Hey, God, we love you so much, and we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And we just ask that as we get ready for Group Expo, that you would just cover us with your grace and your love. And God, as we find a group today, I pray you would root us in biblical community. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you're free to go. Have a great morning.